Welcome to a new episode of Land Grant Holy Land In Conversation. My name is Matt Tamanini. On this podcast, we talk to people in and around Ohio State athletics and the sporting world at large to bring you a different insight and perspective to the teams, athletes, and university that you love. On today's episode, I am in conversation with Brett Ciancia, the man behind one of the fastest rising preseason football magazines out there, Pick 6 Previews. We are welcoming Brett back to the show for the third year in a row, and for the third year in a row, he has picked the Buckeyes to make the college football playoff. He, of course, was right in 2019 and 2020. We will see if he is right again this year, and based on his 10-year track record, chances are pretty good that he was right. We also discuss how Ohio State's defense has the opportunity to improve over last year's abysmal showing, especially in the secondary, why he selected both C.J. Stroud and Travion Henderson as all Big Ten honorees, and much more. Then we go national to get into why Brett has confidence that the Buckeyes can get back to the playoffs despite having to replace a ton of starters. We also get into his rather out-of-the-box ACC and SEC championship picks, especially in the ACC. Uh, and Ohio State's national championship uh, chances as well. I think you might want to wait towards the end of the show to hear his thoughts about that. So, with all of that out of the way, here's my conversation with Brett Ciancia. All right, Brett, welcome back. I think this is the third year in a row we've had you on. Uh, always one of my favorite conversations before we head into the season. Like when we have you on and I get to talk to you about Ohio State and Big Ten football, it's like, okay. It's real. The, the The magazine's out. It's really football season. Yeah, for sure, Matt. Thanks for having me on. And, uh, you know, I guess to, to Buckeye listeners out there, I might be the good luck charm uh, because uh, this is the third <laughs> year. The first two years, it was both in playoffs, uh, both undefeated mm-hmm. regular seasons for Ryan Day. And uh, back in 2019, remember, I had Ohio State in the bracket. I think, and now it sounds crazy to think, but back then in 2019 preseason, Michigan was a trendy pick in the East. Oh, I so remember. I went against, I cut against the grain uh, there because, People were worried about the coach transition from Urban Meyer to Ryan Day, and um, I wasn't buying those concerns. It's still the best program in the Big Ten and one of the best nationally, so here we are. Yeah, I agree. Um, I will say, um, if anybody who has purchased the magazine will know, because it's right there, I think, on the cover, um, you have Ohio State in the playoff again this year, but it's not with the usual suspects. But we will get to that um, uh, later on in our conversation. But for folks who aren't familiar with Pick 6 Previews, Brett, can you kind of just give them the rundown about how you go about putting together what, you know, this is your 10th year, um, and what I think is over the last four or five years probably risen in reputation and respect, perhaps even more than you ever thought possible. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Pick 6 Previews, I launched in 2012 as a college football preview website, uh, similar to the ones you'd see on newsstands, you know, the usual preseason magazines and books. Uh, I just made it digital. Uh, I cover all 65 Power 5 teams plus BYU. And really the claim to fame was that, you know, as each year was going by, I was beating the ones on newsstands as uh, in terms of prediction accuracy, in terms of Power 5 prediction accuracy. Um, this website, Stassen, has been grading all the publications for like 30 years now. So uh, so anyway, so over those first nine seasons now, it's been the most accurate in the country in Power 5, um, better than all the ones you see on newsstands. Um, but what, what makes mine a little bit different, real quick, is uh, first off, it's a one-man operation. It's just me. Uh, some of the magazines you see on newsstands have, you know, 100, 150 writers, uh, you know, one per team. But I cover the whole landscape. And what I do is I try and balance the film study and the numbers because I'm a numbers guy at heart. I mean, on the left side of my pages, you'll see all my analytics, my numbers. 
but I put it back into a very readable form because, you know, you gotta, you know, the numbers are important, but you know, what's it, what are they really telling us? Uh, what can you really glean from it? So a balance of film study of my numbers, calls with coaches, calls with coordinators, uh, calls with beat writers, tuning into, you know, local radio team specific podcasts, just like this one, really digging into the source. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I, I think I've accomplished that balance and, um, uh, after my 2019 book, I was uh, selected to become a Heisman Trophy voter. You're really the ultimate honor there. And after 2020's book, I was invited to be a select on the selection committee for the All-American team, the FWAA uh, All-American team, which is one of the, the five national awesome. ones. So, so yeah, it's been a, a great run. And, and quite honestly, uh, Twitter has really uh, elevated you know my, my company, my product, my tweets, because Without that, I mean, just being able to connect with, you know, so many passionate uh, fans from across the landscape, especially Ohio State, one of the most passionate out there. Um, you know, it's really it was the perfect medium to get my my graphics, my stats, my, my opinions out there. So uh, it's been, a, you know, a ground movement or whatever you want to call it, uh, Twitter movement since day one. And I appreciate all the listeners, the followers and, and the readers. Yeah, it's uh, and the quality of the book is second to none. So let's let's get into that. Um as I said at the top, you do have Ohio State in the college football playoff. That means, obviously, that um, you have them again coming out as the Big Ten champions for the fifth straight year. But in your analysis of Ohio State, obviously, the first thing that a lot of people are going to think could hold them back is their defense. Ohio State is specifically on uh, the the passing side of their defense last year was quite abysmal. And as you say, you list some of those um, analytics on the defensive page. Passing defense was all the way at 122nd in the country last year. But as you mentioned, the the back part of the defense, the, the defensive secondary, is loaded with high prospects. You, you're going to have Seven Banks, who is experienced uh, at one of the corners. You're going to have Josh Proctor probably playing the single high safety. But the rest of the guys that are going to fill in are are very highly regarded prospects finally getting a chance to play. As you start comparing Ohio State to everybody that they're going to play in the Big Ten and then obviously in the non-conference, especially with Oregon as well, what gave you the confidence in the defensive side of the ball to say, okay, they're going to improve on that side enough to where they're at least going to be able to hold steady uh, and continue the domination in conference before moving on to the college football playoff? Yeah, so so with Ohio State's defense, we really saw one of the best uh, in the nation, if not the best, in 2019. Um, I mean, that, that, that defense was totally loaded. You had a Heisman Trophy finalist, which is rare, and Chase Young. Uh, but seven of those 11 starters were picked in the draft. So that stat itself is incredible. Had, you know, more than half of that defense was NFL picks uh, a few months later. Um, now, I think I might have underestimated a bit the, the kind of uh, the lack of development with that disrupted offseason because teams like Ohio State mm -hmm. and Alabama and Clemson, when they're sending guys early to the pros, they really rely on that springtime and fall camp and, um, you know, and all the extra practices for bowls and everything to really get their young guys up to speed. And without that spring ball and summer, um, I think that they had some growing pains, uh, especially in the secondary. Uh, more so, they went through the coach transition there, the coordinator transition. And I know that, uh, that Jeff Halfley from 19 and Kerry Combs from 20 Yes, they're very similar schematically, uh, but still, any of those little off-season tweaks that you try and rotate with new personnel year to year, uh, they missed valuable time with that. So while Halfley was almost primarily single high safety, um, and Combs, you know, was a lot of single high safety as well, um, he started showing some four-two-five in this spring, and uh, could allude to maybe bring back some of those quarters coverage from that 2014 team when he was the uh, the cornerbacks coach. So who knows? But you know, long story short, he's had a full offseason now to tinker with it, get to know his personnel a bit more. 
And I think it'll be a smoother, you know, uh, year over year transition this time around. Um, all that youth in the, in the back half uh, now turns to, you know, to veteran play seven banks, like you said, um, the lockdown corner on one side is so fit, uh, you know, so critical to, to Combs' system. So you have some, uh, you know, you have a lockdown there. Uh, the defensive line really stands out as uh, one of the best units in the country, even with um, Haskell Garrett there earning All-American honors at D-Tackle, uh, former five-star Tyron Vincent, uh, Zach Harrison also. I mean, he's, he's a great edge rusher. And then Jack Sawyer, just, you know, the rich get richer. I'm just naming off all these five stars, but um, Ohio State fans are used to this, I'm sure. Uh, you can't go wrong. It's, it's fully stocked. And then the last bit, Normally, when you see all four linebacker, you know, all, all four linebacking starters graduate or go pro, you think <laughs> you're going to take a major step back. But yeah. this is a really veteran backups. If you want to call them like the, the 2020 backups, rising starters in 21, they're well experienced. I mean, these are fourth, fifth year guys. Yeah, they haven't had the starts, but they've had the reps, the practice, uh, some game experience and these blowouts are usually in. So I feel overall pretty confident with the defense. Um, and, we, you, you know, we can talk offense, too, but. More so with the Big Ten pick, it's just that I didn't see any other threat in the conference across the, the Big Ten landscape. I think yeah. that gap has widened, not narrowed. And talking about analytics, and I, I don't know if this is something that you have uh, looked at specifically, but one of the things that Ohio State did really well, you mentioned the fact that their defensive line was one of the best in the country last year. But one thing that they didn't do was actually get a ton of sacks. They got pressure um, on quarterbacks that they weren't able to to bring them down. With guys like Jack Sawyer now in the mix, hopefully Zach Harrison is able to take a step forward and kind of live up to that um, five-star hype. JT Tui-Malowau is now on campus and part of the team. Who knows how much he'll play since he just got there a few weeks ago. Um, but a lot of Ohio State fans are expecting um, a lot more pressure to come from the defensive end positions, which hopefully will then balance out some of the inexperience in the secondary. From an analytics standpoint, how much, if you can quantify this, how important is getting pressure on a quarterback from the defensive line position? Uh, how does, much does that translate to how important and how well uh, the defensive secondary plays, especially when they're guys who aren't the lockdown um, All-American types that maybe Ohio State was used to uh, four or five years ago? Yes, this is a great question. I mean, this is where you see the numbers really tie into what you watch on the field, which I love to see the balance where, you know, I track this, uh, that exact thing, getting the quarterback, making plays behind the line of scrimmage, tackles for loss. Uh, I call it my negative play rate, you know, the, the amount of plays that are happening behind the line of scrimmage. And Ohio State fell from the top 10 in 2019 in that category all the way to 70th. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, middle of the pack nationally. And I think that, that gets to what you were saying, how they were blitzing but not hitting home. Um, and really what this does, it's, it's kind of a stylistic thing too, because some defenses like Michigan and Ohio state, they're, they're blitz happy. They really attack and try and get to the quarterback. Um, others, uh, right away, BYU comes to mind. They, they, they drop eight into coverage and they're They never hit home on blitzes, but they have so many guys in coverage that they get, they get coverage sacks and, uh, and disrupting the pass game that way. So, so it's partly stylistic, uh, speaking specifically to Ohio state. I mean, they need everything to click. They want that uh, that lockdown corner to really provide uh, you know extra time um, and coverage to really let the, the the defensive line and the edge rusher hit home. So uh, if you only have one, you might be exposed. But if you have both, you know, firing on all cylinders, then uh, then you start to see that 29, 2019 product. So I think you uh, I think Ohio State's in for a bounce back there, uh, given that they have you know I think it's like five or six former or actually the entire back seven. They're former top two hundred yeah. prospects, which is. To the non-recruiting non folks out there, that's almost five-star caliber. That's high four-star. Um, and, you know, 
while some places around the country waste that talent, Ohio State's been proven to to develop their players well and fit them schematically. So I have no, um, you know, no worries that they're not going to live up to their potential. So a ton of raw pa- uh, firepower on defense. I think they get that lockdown corner, better pass coverage, but then also a better pass rush. And those two, when they're clicking together, it's uh, unstoppable. Moving over to the offensive side uh, of the ball, obviously last year's Ohio State offense was um, one of the best in the country. I think you have them as the third game grader overall. And obviously that's the whole game, but obviously so much on the offensive side was predicated on the success of Justin Fields. He is now a Chicago Bear, and technically, as of now, we don't know who is going to be starting at quarterback for Ohio State. The likeliest candidate is C.J. Stroud, who, as you mentioned in the uh, in the magazine, was the uh, MVP of the 2019 Elite 11, was the primary backup last year um, whenever uh, Justin Fields came out of the game. But you've also got Jack Miller and Kyle McCord there. When you look at those guys as a group, assuming one of them, whomever it is, steps forward, how much of a difference do you anticipate seeing in Ohio State's offense, both in terms of the scheme and the types of plays that they run and also the production, especially in conference against uh, the Big Ten defenses? Yeah, so you know that, that's why other magazines or other uh, prognosticators, when they see a quarterback change, they get very worried. And you know, rightfully so. Justin Fields might go down as one of the best quarterbacks in all time, you know, Ohio State history. That he'll be in the discussion certainly. Um, when you look at the not just the the guy at the top, CJ Stroud, right now, but just that there's three guys of that caliber, just the depth there. Where even if Stroud, you know, I, I hope the best for all of these guys, but if Stroud is a miss or he gets injured. You still have a, a high fi- or a high four star with Jack Miller, and then an actual five star with Kyle McCord. Uh, yes, they'll be young and a bit, you know, untested in game speed. But you know, I, I hate to make this reference, but it's almost like they're playing against better teams in practice. It's, it's Ohio State defense, and they're going to face most of the season. So, you know, by the time the middle of the season or December rolls around, I think that they'll be up to speed. So, um, and I don't like to do this too um, in my preseason All Big Ten team. I like to have guys that are, you know, returning players that I've seen in the college game, uh, have production and everything. But I actually went with CJ Stroud, second team overall, mm-hmm. all conference. Because I, mean, I was looking around the landscape of this conference, and whoever emerges as the Ohio State quarterback, I think would start everywhere in the conference, except for, I guess, at Indiana with Michael Penix. But mm-hmm. who knows if that was a real fall camp battle? Who knows? So I love the firepower. I, just like you, I don't know who's going to emerge. I mean, it could be Stroud, it could be McCord. Um, but I'm confident that whoever pulls away in that race is going to lead a, a pretty solid offense because everything's there around them. Uh, it's a perfect scenario around them. Could be the best tackle duo in the country. Um, you know, and not even to talk about this mm-hmm. wide receiver stable. My gosh, it's, uh, you know, just an absolute arsenal. One of the, one of the best in the country, if not the best, um, you know, and, and a, a whole fleet of running backs too. So yeah, whoever wins that job, uh, they have a perfect system around them, a great head coach, a great coordinator. So I'm pretty confident. Well, you you talked about not normally putting guys on your all-conference teams that you haven't seen before, but you did put C.J. Stroud in as the second-team quarterback. At least he played last year. He did not uh, actually throw a pass, but he did get in games. Your sec- One of your second-team running backs uh, is another Ohio State Buckeye who has not yet played in a single college game, and that is true freshman Travion Henderson. As you mentioned, he is a the, the best running back uh, recruit in the country coming into Ohio State. He is coming into a fairly crowded running back room, though, with Master Teague, who is a former all-conference running back. He was probably the number one for most of the 2020 season until uh, Trey Sermon uh, morphed into Eddie George uh, in the <laughs> postseason. Um, 
but you obviously think pretty highly of what Travion Henderson is is capable of. Why do you expect him to be the guy um, from a a pretty you know a pretty loaded backfield um, to end up kind of taking the majority of those carries and yards uh, for the Buckeyes this season? Yeah, so this is one where um you know I, I dug in pretty deep here. I think right at the surface you'd say Master Teague will be the starter just given his returning production, his carries last year, how he started 2020. But when you dig in a little bit, start talking to people, and really, you know, when you watch the tape, uh, Master Teague to me, and I think he's a great player, but I think we've already seen his ceiling. I think that he's, you know, he's excellent in short yardage. He's got great straight line speed. Once he gets rolling, he's like a truck. But um, I think he lacks that shiftiness, that elusiveness in the open field. Um, and you really need that to unlock the, the highest potential of this offense and, uh, and really to unlock playoff caliber. So uh, who does bring that? Uh, you know, is, uh, is Travion Henderson. He's got, you know, straight line sprinter speed, but also the elusiveness that I was talking about. And looks like a total game changer. So, yeah, it is, it's hard to project, but I think I would go with him as the number one guy in, the, in a crowded backfield. Uh, even Mayan Williams might have uh, surpassed Master Teague. Yeah. So it's kind of just like I just said with the quarterback room. It's, I mean, I think it's Henderson who's going to emerge, um, but I'd take any of these guys to start at, a, at most of these other Big Ten teams. Now, I do have Mo Ibrahim, the Minnesota guy, yeah, of course. Um, as first team and Tyler Goodson was, he'll be another thousand yard back again. And uh, Jalen Berger, Wisconsin that, you know, Wisconsin runs the ball probably twice as much as Ohio state. So that he's going to get his yards. But for that fourth spot, I did go uh, Travion Henderson because I think he'd start everywhere else in the conference if he can start at Ohio state. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm hearing a lot of great things about him. Of course, this is a little bit of a leap of faith considering he's a true freshman. Um, but just from, from talks and from, you know, practice notes and, highlight tapes, whatever I can glean. I think that he's the guy. Yeah. He did not even play his senior season of high school football. So he's coming off either really rusty or um, really amped and ready to go. So we will see. His legs are fresh, man. They they are fresh. We will see in about five weeks time. Okay, so Ohio State, you have Wisconsin winning the West, Ohio State winning the East, presumably because you have Ohio State in the playoff and not Wisconsin, you assume they will win the Big Ten title. So let's move to the national side of this. Ohio State, like you said, your third year in a row, you've penciled them in to the college football playoff. Everybody else in this group, uh, well, not everybody. You have Oklahoma seated first overall, um, which I think makes sense given the landscape of their schedule and the Big 12, putting all of them leaving the conference aside. Uh, But the other two spots, the two and four position, because you have Ohio State at three, might be a little bit of a surprise to folks as you have the Georgia Bulldogs coming in second and the North Carolina Tar Heels um, as fourth. I know you always like to take a little bit of... uh, uh, you know, think outside the box here, um, but especially with the heels over Clemson, like that seems like a pretty big th- uh, decision that very few other prognosticators are going to do. Yeah, I'd even venture to say that no one else is going to do that pick. Um, <laughs> you know, most most have them around 10th or even 12th, that area. So this is really a, a roulette ship. I, I like what we have with UNC and I'll, I'll break it down. Um, so first off, it's the offense. I mean, I, I spoke with their offensive coordinator, Phil Longo. He's an offensive genius. Uh, he has, an, you know, air raid pass principles on the outsides, but then a downhill run game, a physical run game up the middle. So it kind of is a great balance. It's tempo. Uh, it's a Heisman candidate quarterback there with Sam Howell, who's projected high in the next year's NFL draft. NFL-sized offensive line up front, returning all five guys. You know, I think they average 6'5", 325, and – um, you know, and then, so the question mark offensively was they were, they sent four guys to the pros from the receivers and running back stables, uh, to mitigate that loss though, they signed Tennessee's 
multi-year starting running back, Ty Chandler. Um, and uh, Longo thinks he's going to be a breakout uh, at UNC. So anyways, um, you know, in my, my per play percentiles on offense, it was Bama one, Ohio State two, UNC three in the nation last year. So with most of that offense back, I like them offensively. But what moved them from an eight or nine win team up to playoff caliber in my eyes is the leap they're going to make on defense. And this is really flying under the radar. But Mac Brown signed three top 15 classes in a row. Um, all these blue chips and five-star kids are now into their second and third years on campus. Um, you know, when, when I tweeted out the pick, I saw people replying saying, uh, oh, have you checked the transfer portal? They lost 20 guys uh, and left the program. Well, if you dig a little deeper, that's because those are veteran guys. Those are seniors, fifth-year seniors that their roster spots, they've been surpassed by these five-star young guys. And uh, it's just a talent surge, albeit young, um, on defense. So I think the defense makes a, a sizable gain there. If you're into the Vegas side of this, they're actually favored in all 12 regular season games this year. It's a favorable schedule. Uh, I think they go 11 and one there, and then they have a win and in scenario against Clemson in the ACC title game. And, uh, and UNC certainly has the offensive firepower to do it. So I'm taking the Tar Heels. I know it's bold. Yeah, it is. It is definitely bold, but I like it. Uh, I am very much on the anti uh, Dabo and Clemson train for obvious reasons that I don't think will surprise anybody listening to this or not uh, from an Ohio State. You know what I should have done, Matt? I, I should have put a Clemson eleven uh, yeah. in, in the preseason poll. That's his, <laughs> oh, that's his favorite number now, right? You would have you would have sold even more magazines <laughs> in uh, Buckeye Nation than you already will. But uh, let's talk about Georgia. I mean, I think everybody understands that Georgia is a sleeping giant because of how they've been recruiting lately. The big change that you mentioned is the fact that Kirby Smart finally got out of this old school mentality that he's been um, you know, kind of known for defense first, kind of slog uh, win in the trenches offense, three yards in a cloud of dust. And he's kind of really made some changes on the offensive side of the ball. Why do you think this is the year for Georgia to get over the hurdle um, that is otherwise known as the Alabama Crimson Tide? Yeah, for sure. I really like this pick. Um, I think there's a, a window of opportunity out there for Georgia right now where Alabama is going through a pretty big transition, at least offensively, with not only one, but three Heisman candidates gone, their offensive coordinator gone, uh, two All-American linemen gone, and six NFL first-rounders uh, tied the record there. So a lot of changeover, more than usual. I know they reload every year, but uh, a bigger transition than usual. And then within the SEC East, Florida loses all that firepower with Trask and Pitts and Tony. So Georgia has a window of opportunity here. Specifically, what I like from them is, yeah, you said it. They, they finally have the offense to pair with their defense. You know, every year Kirby Smart fields a top-five defense. They, they used to want to win games 10-6 or – you know, 17, 14, uh, those days are gone because he kind of embraced the times. He took a page out of LSU's playbook and uh, Alabama's playbook by modernizing the offense. He brought in Todd Monken, the former Oklahoma State coordinator, who I uh, think of those Big 12 offenses as airing it out, vertical shots. Yep. And uh, so if you watch Georgia last year, the first half of the year, it was like that old 1980s offense. They hadn't found their quarterback yet. But after the bye week, when they put JT Daniels in there, the old, former five-star kid from USC, that offense took off. They unlocked the playbook. They were taking vertical shots. And really quietly, those last four games, they were playing elite offense, um, even when you adjust for opponent strength, too. So a really long story short there, um, I love the offense taking a huge step forward. It's, it's modern now. And they have the number one recruiting, uh, recruiting average in both the five-year and the three-year. So this roster is just beaming with talent. The only holes they had, they kind of patched them up through the transfer portal. They added the five-star tight end uh, Eric Gilbert from LSU. 
and an All-American safety, Tyke Smith. I mean, they're just landing All-Americans out of the transfer portal. So I really like Georgia. Uh, given the transitions at Florida and Alabama, I think they can rise up and win the SEC. And they obviously have a huge non-conference game to open uh, the season. <laughs> Real quick, before we move on to uh, a few more things before we wrap up, what is your take on that matchup in week one? Yeah, so um, that's obviously going to really determine my playoff right there. I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of banking on Georgia winning the matchup. That would tag Clemson with an early loss and give them no room for error the rest of the way and would and would put Georgia with a mulligan in their pocket if they win that game. So, yeah, you're right, though. They're separated by just 70 miles. It's, it's quietly a pretty bitter rivalry. You have a lot of alumni overlap. You know, families divided down there. I know they're in different states, but they're geographically very close. Um, you know, a lot of kids growing up, they want to go to one or the other and they get denied at one and, you know, into the other. So they're very similar. And then they've always been connected. They've had big games in the eighties that determine national titles and, uh, the 2013 matchup got the college game day treatment, but this one is probably their biggest, uh, possibly ever. Uh, you're talking about a top five matchup right out of the gate, uh, kicking off the most anticipated, I think, season in our lifetimes, given the returns to stadiums and return to tailgates. Uh, specifically in this one, I do like Georgia. I think that, you know, Clemson coming out of the gates, they're going to be young. Uh, the last we saw of them, they got embarrassed uh, on the national stage. Ohio State dealt them their worst loss since 2013. Yeah, I yeah, remember. Your listeners I remember. Are, <laughs> listener, yeah, listeners are loving this. Um, yeah, I mean, that, that was the first time we'd seen a Venables defense really embarrassed. And what Ohio State did was uh, they might have remained in the huddle normal time, but once they had that play call, they ran up to the line and snapped it. And, and what Venables really keys his, uh, his defense on is uh, pre-snap reads. So they'll see what the offense comes out in. They all look over, you know, the middle linebacker looks over, hey, Venables, what's the play call? They rotate, they adjust. But what Ohio State did is they caught him flat-footed. They ran up to the line and caught him literally flat-footed on, on vertical shots. So with Georgia's tempo, their vertical shots, I like them to score. And then you have, I know DJU, he played a couple games last year. He actually looked okay. He looked great. Uh, but still, we don't. there's no proof that this changing of the guard is going to be seamless at quarterback. And they replaced the ACC's all-time rusher, too. So uh, in the trenches, I like Georgia. On offense, I like Georgia. So um, it's kind of foundational to my book this year. I'm, I'm going with Georgia in that matchup. Yeah, I, I think uh, looking at your playoff predictions, I think I could have uh, deduced that. But um, there's another really big non-conference game that I think a lot of Buckeye fans are going to be interested in, and that is in week two as the Oregon Ducks visit Columbus. Obviously, this was supposed to be a home-and-home. Home. The um, Eugene half of this trip was canceled uh, last season because of the pandemic. Um, obviously, you do not have a Pac-12 representative in your playoff. You have Ohio State in. So I'm going to guess again, like I could have with Georgia, that you see Ohio State winning that game. But given it's early in the season, coming off of a weird year where Oregon had really a disappointing, especially start to the season, they got a little bit better in the second half of the Pac-12 schedule in 2020. But what will Ohio State need to do that early um, to make sure that they can secure this win and kind of give themselves maybe not as big of a mulligan as Georgia would get over Clemson, but a decent mulligan to have in their back pocket in case they do lose a game uh, in conference later in the year. Yeah, so this one, uh, I'm not guaranteeing a win for Ohio State here. This might be one of their tougher games in the first half yeah. of the season. And as you guys have seen with Ohio State, I mean, they might be exposed to an early loss just as those young starters are, are extra young and they're getting game time. But once December rolls around, it's like a whole new machine almost. So, but anyways, I think they're, they're still going to be young and it'll be, you know, Stroud or whoever's the quarterback's real second biggest game or well, second start, but biggest game so far. Uh, and with Oregon, um, I know they might have flown under the radar last year. They had a couple losses. They had a lot of uh, opt-outs. Penny Sewell opted out, their best player, the tackle there, and their whole secondary opted out. So, yeah, they got caught with a couple losses. But 
when you look at their recruiting profile, they're top 10. I mean, they're the first program to take over USC's uh, record for you know, decades as the number one recruiter out West. So they have, uh, they have firepower at the skill positions. They return, I think, nine starters on defense, including number one overall prospect, Kayvon Thibodeau, the, the edge rusher. So uh, I like that, you know, the, the, the tackles and the interior line are going to be tested for Ohio State, um, as is the quarterback, who's going to be going up against a pretty veteran and now five-star late in defense in Oregon. Um, you know, I think, uh, I think Ohio State's defense, to what, for what it's worth, can get after their new quarterback, Anthony Brown. Um, he takes over now full-time after starting a few years at Boston College. Um, you know, it's, a, it's a whole different speed of the game out here against Ohio State than uh, in the ACC Atlantic. So, um, yeah, I think Ohio State will win. I like the home field advantage part. Uh, but I will say that if they're exposed to an early loss, this one might be it. Um, then you, you hit on playoff predictions. I think just in general, the Pac-12 will beat each other up. I think it's a lot of above average teams, but not really playoff caliber. They do have a nine game slate too. So uh, more so, yeah, this might be Ohio state's one loss of the regular season, but they're not going to lose twice. And um, I think they make the playoffs still. Awesome. Well, Brett, I will wrap up with one last question that is not in your book. Um, so you might not want to uh, to go into it and you might want to save some stuff for uh, for later even, but you have, Oklahoma, Georgia, North Carolina, and Ohio State. I won't consider this an official prediction because it wasn't in uh, the magazine, but do you have a favorite of those four to win? How are you thinking the national championship game? Anything in that realm uh, that you want to throw in uh, that we won't necessarily hold you to because it's not in print, but uh, any thoughts on the actual playoff itself? Yeah, well, uh, I already referenced this earlier in the show, how I said that as December rolls around, Ohio State really rounds into form. I mean, all these guys now have 12 starts under their belt. Uh, you know, C.J. Stroud and Henderson and all these five stars on defense, they're going to be basically a whole year in. And, you know, that's when they play their best football. So when you look at this, uh, this bracket I have here, I think Ohio State's the most likely to make it in. When you look at their conference structure, the other teams within these leagues, uh, the Big 12 is really crowded at the top this year. I, I think I, everyone's familiar with Iowa State, their best team ever. Um, you know, with like 20 starters back, they were top 10 last year. I like TCU also in the top 10 out of the big 12. So, you know, Oklahoma spot, that's not up for, that's not a lock either. Georgia, obviously the sec will be tough. So out of these four teams, you know what? I'd, I'd say Ohio state, I'd take Ohio state, uh, by the time the playoff rolls around, they're the most likely to be in there. And, um, of the four here, they have the most playoff experience that I'm looking at. So in Ryan day, there'd be three times in a row. A little bit of unfinished business. The last time uh, Ohio State had unfinished business, it was Clemson, and we saw what happened when they got their rematch. So uh, if they get back to the playoff, they're going to be laser-focused for another run. And, um, yeah, I'll take the Buckeyes there. All right, you heard it here first. Whether this is what you actually meant or not, uh, pick six previews. Brett Ciancia just picked Ohio State to win the national championship. So I'm going to write it down. Um, you can't <laughs> go back on it now. I have it in, uh, in audio form. So, um, Brett, thank you so much. Let people know where they can get your book. Um, or Do you prefer book or magazine? Because I'm kind of going back and forth. Which is it for you? You know, it's, it's either way. What, what's unique about mine is it's digital. So, uh, you know, the usual <laughs> product is the, the, you know, the hard copy preseason magazine on newsstands. Mine's digital. Um, you know, so it's, it's immediately downloaded on your phone, you know, your computer, your tablet, your laptop, everything. And what it did allow me to do was get all these extra transfers in because uh, a lot of the competitors yeah. out there, they were sent to print in April and then on newsstands in May. And I'm sure you're all familiar with the, the crazy circus we had in the transfer portal. So uh, I spent that extra month revising and, and you know, calling coaches around and, and you know, getting, uh, you know, getting the book up to date. 
the amount of times I had to delete paragraphs is pretty funny looking back, but, um, <laughs> you know, but anyways, it's the most up to date, up to date out there. Uh, it's immediately downloadable. There's no shipping costs. There's no waiting, you know, a week or two for shipping. So anyway, it's, it's pick six previews.com at pick six previews on Twitter. And also, uh, for the listeners out there, I want to give a nice discount code. Just type in Buckeyes at checkout um, for a nice discount there. And, and thank you, Matt, for having me again, uh, for all the praise, too, on Twitter, on the podcast. And, and look, it's, it's three years in a row. I think the first two went well for Ohio State. So yeah. let's make it three in a row. Thank you for listening to this episode of Land Grant Holy Land In Conversation. Thanks, of course, to the great Brett Ciancia. You can follow him on Twitter at Pick6Previews, all the words, P-I-C-K-S-I-X-P-R-E-V-I-E-W-S. We will have a link to that and where you can purchase the magazine in the show notes. And don't forget the discount code Buckeyes at checkout. If you are finding this podcast on the website, LandGrantHolyLand.com, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts in order to get all of the unparalleled podcast coverage this season. We are currently bringing you at least one podcast episode every single weekday and sometimes on the weekends as well. But as we get into the football season, we will be making even more shows for you to keep you informed and entertained throughout the entire season. Don't forget to follow Land Grant Holy Land on Twitter at LandGrant33, and you can find me on Twitter at BWWMatt. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you soon. And as always, go Bucks.